Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, y'all, this is Ellie Holcomb, and you're listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, episode 408. This is Flashback Friday. Can we get this girl at radio show? (laughs) It was like, it was like, this is Delilah, and you're listening to Songs with Ellie. Um, okay, Ellie Holcomb, we're flashing back this Friday and we're playing an episode that you were on forever ago, I feel like. I mean, October 2017, which doesn't that feel like forever ago, if we're being honest? It feels like ages, ages ago. ago. In the before it's times. In the before times. That is so true. Before COVID. <laughs> BC, baby. Well, I remember I told you this recently that I remember when we recorded that episode, we were in a hotel room. And we were at, I think we were at the Gaylord in Nashville. Yeah, Yeah, it was Opryland Hotel. And you came to my hotel room and we sat down in those big chairs and we recorded a conversation. And I remember thinking at the time, this is one of the most vulnerable conversations I've had in a long time. And I left changed and different. Mm -hmm. And I know our audience felt that as well. And you really opened up up about um, marriage and conflict and depression and mental health. And it was beautiful. And so... I would just love to hear from you, like 2017 Ellie Holcomb to 2021 Ellie Holcomb, speaking of those type of things that we talked about, what does that look like for you now? Yeah. Well, just so you know, I, people tell me all the time that they have listened to this conversation that's about to re-air and they're like, thank you so much. People have heard it and then they've gone to counseling, which is amazing because we talked about counseling. I love it so much. I'm about to get on back (laughs) into my counselor actually really to process some of what has happened because it has been, I think everybody is like, whoa, what was last year? It was a lot. And so I was, I re-listened to it actually anticipating this and it was so sweet. so sweet to listen back to what what God was doing and then to see and to know that currently he is still moving. Like we're moving deeper in and higher up. And that Mm. is what it feels like. I was just, because I talk in that, in this episode that you're about to hear about going to counseling for the first time. And that has just been on, on and off journey for me throughout my years of being married to Drew. We're about to hit 15 years of being married. We now have another kid. His name (laughs) is Rivers. He is a joy tornado. My little girl reminded me, he used to love to climb in the toilet. He like <laughs> loves water. <laughs> I, have, I have so many pictures of him just standing in the, the toilet. Best, like smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like good if there's nothing else in there oh with him, gosh. you know? Anyway, that particular picture, he had rain boots on and there was other things in the toilet, but at least he had his like oh galoshes on. <laughs> So it's busy and we're still busy and, you know, ended up halfway homeschooling last year and having all those shows canceled. Anyway, it was a lot, but I went, I've been on a counseling journey that was just, I realized when my little girl, Emily went to kindergarten, I had some stuff from my past that I just realized I had dealt with in counseling. I had never Mm. grieved it, Jamie. And I think what I learned personally, and this was before COVID, I kind of started a year when I was pregnant with my little boy. Rivers was born the same year that my little girl Mm -hmm. went to kindergarten, like right around the same time, September. And I just realized basically, if you do not let yourself, or at least this is my story, if you don't let yourself grieve, it ends up coming Mm. out sideways. And that's what it started to happen. And so I went, trotted on back to counseling, pregnant as all get out. Yeah. I mean, just really let myself go back and grieve some things. And it has been the most beautiful thing as I've learned to do that. We've talked about this before. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, hate pain. I'm like, I have dealt with this in counseling already. This should be done. And I just needed to grieve. And as I grieved and really just sometimes let myself visit some of the sorrowful places Mm. in my own story, all I could do is breathe or weep sometimes. But man, did I ever encounter the tenderness and the presence and the kindness and the empathy Mm. of God in this place. It's so beautiful. And I think even you as an Enneagram seven, like you would kind of feel like you kind of run from pain. 
But that grieving is so important for us. But most of us would say we don't want to do that because it's hard. It's hard work. And so we feel like if we just don't walk through it, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. But I love what you said. It's going to come out. Like it's going to come out some ways. And I think a lot of people are feeling that even from what we walk through as a community, as a world for the last year is what I found in my own life is that things that I hadn't worked out, they started coming out because of COVID. You know, it's like it was a pressure cooker. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, I didn't know I struggled with this. And here it is. It's flame. It's like going crazy. And so I think a lot of people will relate (laughs) to what you're saying, even just because of the past year. That was the craziest thing, Jamie, is I think because I had learned, I had been practicing this like personal, Mm -hmm. just grieving. I'm not good at grieving. And I think sometimes in the church, we're not very good Mm. at lament, even though it's all over scripture. David, I love the Psalms for so many reasons. You know, he does not end every single Psalm with, praise the Lord. He does that a lot. He bosses his soul around a lot, but there are times when it's like, everything is dark and where are you? (laughs) Why aren't you answering me? And so I think because I've done that personally, this last year, I mean, last year was insane for everybody. We in Nashville 2020 for us started a week before COVID happened, EF4 tornado tore through our Nashville neighborhood. I mean, scariest mm-hmm. night of my life, honestly. And like, just really thought it went right behind our house. And so woke up to the whole house shaking and rushing three kids down to the basement. Drew was out of town oh. playing a show. And so it was so scary. And then Everybody in the wake of a storm like that, Mm -hmm. community, rebuilding, you could eat like a queen or king after that. In my neighborhood, there's great coffee shops. So it was like, you could get whatever, beautiful rebuilding. And then it literally felt like rebuilding and community and almost hope Mm. got quarantined a week later. And so it was such a beautiful thing. I think I learned that breathing, I've learned that breathing is Mm. a superpower. I just, and then think about, I think all the way back to that, like burning bush moment with Moses and the bush yeah. is on fire, but it's not consumed. I felt like we yeah. felt so many of us yes. on fire last year, but God was in the midst of it. He's still faithful. He's still good. And I learned to breathe and grieve on a global mm. national level, it leaned into the whole broken story of race mm. in our country and how much grieving for me was necessary. I'm aware of that, of course, before, but kind of leaned into that, started a bit. Yeah. Bridge Builder Group with a couple of girls. And I, it has been such a powerful thing to grieve because as it turns out, God is a God who moves low. He is always moving to the lowest place. And so it was, I ended up making a whole record about it. Okay. Well, speaking of, I mean, (laughs) I I love this. I love this. People are going to gain so much wisdom from our conversation we had forever ago, but let's talk about your new record. Like you just released it. So it's wonderful. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So I, in the midst of all the craziness of last year, when the numbers were so really low, the lowest that they were, I think August of last summer, I got to go to the Grand Canyon for the first time mm. in my whole life. And yes, I, as a kid, been, and I want to go back as an adult, because I think as a kid, you're like, okay, whatever, you know, where's the ice cream, but I want to go back as an adult. Where's yeah. The where's snacks? the snacks, mom? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still feel that, felt that way when I was there as an adult, by the way, I still wanted the snacks, but It was so powerful. And I think for me, I'd written this whole, I actually wrote two records. So I wrote a record about this personal journey Mm. of grief and and really leaning into the identity of God meeting me in my lowest places. I've kind of done that in a communal sense. I feel like that's what Mm -hmm. Red Sea Road was about, that the record before of seeing him show up in the grief of community. And then I saw him show up in the grief personally, and then literally went to the Grand Canyon. And I was like, oh, this is Mm. global. This is who you are. Like, I think I thought the gospel was a raindrop, like this beautiful, necessary, like life-giving raindrop. And he's like, oh, babes, it's Mm. the ocean. It's, it's all of it. I'm everywhere. And that is what, as I grieved last year, so much of us, I was just looking at those canyon walls and our guide was saying, I don't even know if our God was a person of faith, but just the earth proclaims the glory of God. And so we're down there. So we camped on the Northern Rim. We went down into the canyon rafted the river, camped on the riverbanks, and then rafted out. This is the best trip ever. Oh, it was amazing. It's Arizona River Runners. I highly recommend it. And Jamie, they literally have... They provide you with all the food and the snacks and the camping gear. You just show up? Literally, you just show up. (laughs) Hand you like Snickers bars and they have all the things. I was like, this is amazing. So highly recommend Go do this. They have a three-day, a five-day, and a seven-day trip, I think. Okay. It was epic. And I, but as we're down there, he's explaining to us that the canyon walls, they tell a story. 
which I'm like, I love stories. We're mm-hmm. wired for stories. But really the story is disaster upon disaster upon disaster. It's landslide, mudslide, yeah. volcano, drought, earthquake. And then you're looking up and there's this huge divide. And we've been in this season, Jamie, where it has felt, I don't know, it's felt more divided than ever, mm-hmm. th- than I can recall in recent yeah. memories. Strangers are hating strangers on the internet, politically, yeah. the racial tension. It has just felt, even mm-hmm. within the church sometimes divided. I'm like, y'all, we're called to unity. Like we're mm-hmm. supposed to be. Anyway, so I just have felt, all of us, I think, yeah. have felt that this past year. And I'm looking up at this king and I'm like, this feels like a picture of what all of our hearts look like, especially after this last yeah. year. So many little T and big T traumas happening yep. for mm-hmm. everybody, lost yeah. on so many different levels. And I was like, man, this just feels like everybody knows to be human is to be broken, especially mm. after this last year. But there in the deepest pit of the canyon, there was a river mm. running through. And I just, I started weeping. I just thought this is, one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel, because as it turns out, water always moves to the lowest place. Mm. We just had floods in Nashville too. It moves to the lowest place in your house. And actually there is living water. Mm. There is a current of love. There is a current of God's love that runs deeper than our deepest ache and pain. Mm. And that will carry us if we'll only let it. And I just thought, I literally came home from the Grand Canyon and I shoved a pile of 35 songs off of my desk. And I was like, (laughs) it's more than just me. This is for everybody. Yes. Oh, I love it so much. And the album is so great. And I'm so excited about all you have going on. Ellie, you're just simply the best. And (laughs) I know, like, here's the problem with these Flashback Fridays and me talking to you to recap what's going on. I literally want to talk to you for an hour and have a whole new episode, but we can't. We can't. We have to move on. We're going to go back. And we have to show people the past episode from 162. So, Ellie, thanks for coming back on today. Absolutely. It's a joy to be here. And I hope y'all enjoy Flashback Friday. Hey, Ellie, welcome to the happy hour. So happy to be here. I'm in your town. So happy to see you in my town. How long have you lived in Nashville? My whole life. Really? Like, I, I did not know this. Here. Born and raised in Nashville. There's a company called Project 615. They make t-shirts uh-huh. and give some of the funds away to homeless shelters right here in Nashville. And they have a t-shirt that says Nashville native and it is a picture of a unicorn on it. You know, Kinda we say the same t-shirt. thing about people native to Austin. Austin. Are you in Austin native? I'm in Austin and I'm not a native. But when I meet someone and like I was born and raised here, I'm like, you, I mean, it's rare. Unicorn. Because the city, both our cities have exploded. They have. And a lot of people moved in. We have t-shirts that say, um, don't move to Austin. It sucks. (laughs) You know, like go back to Dallas. Like you're not going to like it here. But the traffic does get bad. bad. I mean, it is. And when you've seen that progressively get worse, you're kind of like, hey, it's not that great. And everything's under construction. And, but we love it. I love visiting your city though. I get to come here. A couple times a year, and it's so fun. I love um, visiting your city because it's, it's so great. Let's trade houses one time. That's a great idea. Like house swap. I know. Okay. okay. Talk about that later. Well, I'll talk about that. That's a great <laughs> idea. Um, okay. So I'm in here with you in Nashville, and you've been here forever, which I didn't know. Where'd you go to college? UT Knoxville. Okay. So you did leave for a little bit. Just for, yeah, like the four years, okay. five years. I got my master's okay. there. So it was a five year stay. I was in college for um, six and a half and I don't have a master's. So that's really something. Were you taking a victory lap? <laughs> I was like all kinds of laps. <laughs> it's like my third senior year. It took Aaron, my husband, over seven. I mean, what were we doing with our lives? I have no idea. You were doing the smartest thing possible. We were college fun, is so fun. I had too much fun. Is the, the was the, That was part of the problem. I wasn't having fun learning. <laughs> I was having fun in other ways. And I'm that, I'm that dork. Like I would love to go back to college just to go to classes. I I got my master's in education. Okay. So I like love class and I love homework and projects. I think I would love learning more now. Yeah. Like I've thought about going back to seminary or something and I really want to learn. Like, I don't feel like I need a degree. I just want to learn. I just want to learn. Yeah. When you're 39, you can learn. But when I was 19, I mean, I was not learning anything (laughs) is the problem. And I got the student loan debt to pay, to show for it. Yeah, um, okay, so tell us a little bit. You're married, two kids. How long have you guys been married? We just hit 11 years this past June. Congrats. Thank you very much. What are you? How many years are y'all? Um, we are 16. Come on. Come on, sister. We're just a little bit in front of you. It's good. Uh, 11 years feels great. Okay. It's just 
It's sweet. It's not perfect, but like, I feel like we're able to work through the conflict. For sure. For sure. Quicker. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this. Yeah. It's a little personal. What were the hardest years of your marriage? 11 years in. Oh, I like, I know exactly, like absolutely year three. You know, like where you were living, what the living room was set up like. It's the year, it's the year that I went to counseling. Okay. And honestly, like, and I was that girl that went to counseling and I was like, so I have this friend (laughs) (laughs) and they're having a really hard time and I'm just here for them. (laughs) Yes. And at the end of it, I had some, some, a lot of pain from my past, from past relationship, really, that was really unhealthy that had followed me into my marriage uh-huh. and I was a wreck. I didn't know I was a wreck and I didn't know I needed help, but she was so wonderful. And that was the, it was absolutely the hardest time and absolutely the most painful and the most, like, I just felt stripped of everything. And um, it was really hard, lots of just working through issues. But I will say that hardest time where the soil was tilled up so much it laid the groundwork for like flourishing. I mean, just flourishing. And it was about a year and a half of worse before it got better, which is a long time. But I would not trade it for anything in the world. So was this year and a half, was it worse for just you, Ellie, or was it worse for the Holcombs? Honestly, um, I think it was mainly worse for me. My husband is, he is a wonderful man. I was a conflict avoider. Mm -hmm. I did not know it was okay to not be okay. Uh Like I didn't know it was okay to struggle. And so I spent most of my life hiding and stuffing things down. And because I thought just God is good and I just need to trust him. And I did trust him, but I, he also knows that it's okay for us to struggle. He knew he would make a mess of this. That's why I sent Jesus. And so, um, it was really me working through a lot. And I remember, I just felt like a child, like a toddler. I felt like I didn't, when, so when I had conflict, I had no idea how to have conflict. And so when I finally did start having conflict, I was awful at it. I mean, I felt like a three-year-old. I, I literally am with my four-year-old and I'm like, this is how I acted <laughs> year three into my like, marriage. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like this feels familiar. Yeah. Um, and so, but what was so great is my husband is a truth seeker and he is, he loves conflict because he wants to get to the bottom and the root and, and find it out and get like walk in the truth and in the light. And so, man, he was like, I like you so much better. And I'm like, but that what? can be really intimidating for a conflict avoider. Oh, it, it was the worst. Yes. There were, I'm going to just, I don't know that I've said this in an interview before, but there were times we were on the road together. My husband and I were in a uh-huh. band for eight and a half years. We were in a Volvo station wagon and there were times I didn't want to die. Like I didn't want to kill myself, but the conflict that we would were having when we were working through stuff in the car, it was so painful to me that I, that I definitely had the thought many times it would feel better to open the door and roll out of the car mm-hmm. onto the side of the highway than to have to deal with this. Than to have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Like it was so hard. Uh, now, so were you hard. able, because I know sometimes conflict avoiders, were you able to, you can verbalize it now. Could you verbalize that pain then as in, I would rather roll out of this car then no. walk through this conflict. No, I would never have said it then. So you didn't know. You I just didn't knew this know is how hard. to communicate. Yeah. I didn't know how to communicate that then. And I think that thought scared me mm. back then. Yeah. Um, but I know now, like it just, it was so, it was so good for me to have to learn. It was like the biggest gift to be on the road with my husband. Because honestly, when you are trapped in a car, you really can't go anywhere. No. Like it was the most wonderful, uh-huh. like little incubator for learning how to have to deal with stuff because I just would have avoided it. I would have gotten a job. I would have gotten busy. I would have gotten hobbies. I would have found any way to avoid having to work through conflict. And I'm so grateful that God just put us in a Volvo station wagon. (laughs) Made you stay there. Made the door shut. I think that when you talk about like bringing that into your marriage, I hear that so often from women is like, I got married. You know how they say like, Parenting exposes all your biggest sins. Ooh, well, marriage yeah. does that first. It, well, at first, if you let it, absolutely, you know. And so, I feel like that's so common of a woman getting into this relationship and then going, "Wait, it's not them. It's me." Like I haven't dealt with this. I have not dealt with this. And I, yeah. I read this article. My friend gave it to me on our third anniversary. It, it was right around before our anniversaries where all, everything was brewing, you know. Uh-huh. And I was like, 
oh man, something's not yeah. right. And my best friend sent me this article and it was like, happy third year anniversary. By now you've realized you've married the wrong person <laughs> oh, gosh. because every person is the wrong person. They're, they're people. Yeah. And no one's perfect. No one's perfect. And there's going to be conflict. And here's the point where love comes in, where you say, I'm in with you for all of your flaws and all of the things that drive me crazy about you. Let's work through it. And so anyway, wow. it's been a really beautiful journey, awesome. even though I say it now, I probably need to be, it's good to remember yeah. that it was painful. Uh-huh. I say it's beautiful now, but it, it, I'm like, this is worse. Like yeah. when we first started having conflict, I'm like, this is worse. Right. I want to go back to pretending that everything's right. Okay. Can we just act like everything's fine? And someone who's a truth teller, they're like, this is dumb. Why would we not talk about this? He was loving it. Yeah. He was like, I like you so much more now. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like feel burnt. You feel exposed. So exposed like a child, like a young, like temper tantrum throwing child. Oh my gosh. Okay. You're three. I'm three. Interesting. I love it. (laughs) I felt three, three years into being. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Our harder years did not hit until probably year. I want to say like nine, 10, 11. Mm -hmm. When we started adding to our family through adoption, it was just life got hard for the first time for us. And it's like everything just kind of you know, came up to the surface and it was hard for us. Yeah. But I'm a fan of counseling. Oh my goodness. Let's just encourage women with that because I have, I benefit from it. My husband has been, we have been as a family. Two of my kids go every other week. I mean, it is a value for us Ivies. And I know that it has been for you as well. It has absolutely been. We like have... You know, we save for college. We feel like that's important, but we legitimately like are saving for counseling. Yes, of course, because we just know Uh like it has been such a life giving deal for us. And for me, my counselor just repeated the invitation that Jesus gives to all of us that where there's truth, there's freedom, Mm. even if the truth is hard and ugly and bitter and full of doubt and full of shame. Like, you you know, you feel so ashamed by that. But the deal is like the cross is bigger than all of that Mm. and nothing is too far or too hard or too broken for Jesus. And so I have known freedom like I never knew it before. And it's part of why I'm doing what I do now, writing music and and I'm in churches and at women's gatherings all the time. And almost every night I'm talking about counseling from stage. And there are some rooms, honestly, when I'm like, so I went to counseling and and I literally want to be, I, I read people's uh-huh. faces and I feel kind of crazy. And yeah. I'm like, I want to be like, just kidding. My friend went to counseling <laughs> and they said it was yeah, great. Yeah. But truthfully, it has been one of the most um, powerful things that the Lord has yeah. used to bring transformation in, in our hearts. And I think we need to take the stigma away that the people in counseling are like the really, really, really messed up people. Yeah. That's all of us. Right. Thank you. That's all I'm in. That's me. Raise your hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's been just this kind of people would look at like, oh, if you have to go to counseling, oh, like I'll tell you this, when we used to go to a certain counseling center, my husband's on staff at a church and people might know who we are, all kinds of things. Mm. He asked me one time, he said, are you okay going out the front door or would you like me to take you out the back? Really? Uh-huh. And I said, I'm totally okay going out the front door. Oh my gosh. Like I, you could take my picture in front of this place and use me on your brochure. Like I don't <laughs> care. You know, but his point was, are, do you, are you sure you want people to do? And I think his intention was so kind. Right. But to me, it was just a reminder of, no, it's okay. Like it doesn't mean that you're messed up and there's no hope. It just means, hey, you're fighting. You're fighting. You're fighting. You're fighting for the truth. And if we're not fighting, we're losing. That's exactly right. I mean, I I think um, it's been one of like the most encouraging. A lady stopped me at the zoo the other day. I love that. I get stopped a lot at zoos and libraries. <laughs> it's where you are with your babies. <laughs> where I am yeah. with my children. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'm like, maybe don't talk to me right now because I'm here with my kids. Right. But, but this woman... Um, just said, I heard you talk about counseling about six years ago and I just need to thank you because it gave me the courage to go. And I just, right there on the zoo playground, burst into tears. And I just thought, man, there is something so freeing when we're vulnerable and when we're real. And is it C.S. Lewis that says the beginning of any true friendship is me too? Like none of us are alone in the struggles that we face, but I think the enemy would love to isolate. Yeah. 
Or at yeah. least that's what he does to me. Yeah, to make you feel as though no one else struggles with this. Yeah. And if alone. you say this, people are, I mean, what will they think of you? What will they think of yeah. you? It'll be over. I know. My whole, this is not a show about me, it's about you, but my whole book is called If You Only Knew. I mean, because I struggled with this for years. If people knew things about me, would they let me lead their churches? Would they, well, should I be married to a pastor? Like, I don't know why I thought that was such a big deal, but I did. If no, they but there, knew. there's a stigma yeah. that you, you feel like you have to check off all of these boxes. Yes. Yeah. And we put too much pressure on too much. pastors' wives yeah. and so pastors, it's, it's probably. A, you know, it's a scare tactic of if people knew about you, what would they think, you know? And for me now, like you say, enjoying that freedom, I enjoy the freedom so much that I'm like, can I please tell you all the ways I'm awful and messed up? Because then we just take every pretense off the table. I'm just like you and Jesus is so much better. Listen, it is, I, I just quick story to illustrate this because he is so much better. And all of us, even people on a stage preaching his name, we're all broken exactly. and he's medicine that broken place. So I um, was going to speak at this um, sort of Christmas event, doing like a Christmas show in Memphis at a very established church there. And I had been the year before and they just had loved it. And they invited me back the next year. And I was just, I was freaking out. And I mean, the enemy had a heyday with me. And for me, a lot of times, like if you only knew like all these things about, so that the way that sounds from the enemy is who are you? to think that you could get up on a stage and talk about, who are you to talk about the power of God's word? You don't even value it a lot of days. Who are you to think that you can leave your kids? Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, and and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've the whole time I've been admitting that I'm not anybody that great. And, but man, I mean, and so all of a sudden I was on a plane and I was, I was in tears. I was like, it was full attack. I mean, and I'm and I'm heading this thing, and I'm like, they're going to realize I'm I'm not actually that good, and and I'm not going to do it right this time, and and I might say the same thing, and what if I say anyway, as if anyone would remember everything that I said, exactly. anyway, but I understand everything you're saying, all of the yes. things. So all of a sudden, I'm like, Lord, I need you to speak into this, and all of a sudden, it hit me like, I mean, it was my tears immediately stopped, and it was like. I'll tell you, I, I am God's kid. He is my dad and I'm his daughter and he knows me and he knows that I'm a mess. He loves me anyway. Yes. And he thinks that I am awesome <laughs> and he has called me to do good things in his name for his purposes. And so it was, it was a huge deal for me. And, um, and I, there's a line in one of my songs from a record called fighting words. If they really knew you, there's no way they could love you anyway. And it's that if you only knew who I really was, do not put me on a pedestal mm-hmm. because I am a hot mess. But God yep. in his mercy yep. has had mercy on me. And I am rejoicing in yeah. that mercy and the freedom of being fully known and fully loved because of what he did on the cross. Amen. Let's just shut this show down. <laughs> that is the word. Oh, I, I mean, yes, 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 yes. Okay, we jumped in like all into the deep end right here with the pool. We just went in and I love it. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? 
Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Okay, so I need you to know that at your house, we listen to your new album, All the stinking time because you sent me a record and when you sent me a record i did not have a record player so we displayed it and it was i sent you like a vinyl vinyl. like an old school i I forget the words yes no no we did not have anything to play it on so i thought oh that's cute well then my (laughs) husband got one this summer and my daughter's story plays your album all the time So I love that your words are loud in my house. I love that. That your words, and then we also play a lot of the Oak Ridge Boys. So absolutely, uh, that is good company. You'll take that company. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Every day. Um, And so, how many albums have you released? That was my. Well, that was my second full length album. I have two little EPs. Okay. Um, All of them are just out of God's word. Because that honestly, that is what started my whole journey to songwriting. in an effort when, when Satan is, you know, just having a heyday, I started memorizing scripture about, I think it was seven and a half years ago with a friend of mine who battles depression, kicking back at the darkness and the shadows with the light. And it started changing us. God's word. It's alive. It is alive and working. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, I think the deal is it didn't, it didn't necessarily change our circumstances, but it started changing us from the inside out. And so I just, all of my songs are me sitting in God's word saying, okay, Lord, I believe this. Help my unbelief. Like on the days when I forget, would you ingrain this into the fiber of my being that this is true? You just said something that I want to go back to. You said it yeah. didn't change the circumstances, but nope. it changed you from the inside. And I, and you're talking about a friend who struggled with um, depression. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could come up with a really long list of things that we could put that under that our circumstances didn't change, yep. but we changed on the inside. And I feel like sometimes in 2017, we just want everything to just like, we want to be good and be quick and be yeah. back and be okay. Um, whether that's with parenting or marriage or job or a sin struggle, you know, yeah. Yeah. all kinds of things, depression. Uh, that is a really good thing for people to remember. Oh man. I, my, my, so I have several friends in my life that battle depression pretty like consistently. And, um, my, one of my dearest, dearest friends, um, I mean, her journey was crazy. She ended up at a psych ward in a hospital. I mean, just like the place you don't want to go where you legitimately do like, I don't want people to see me walking in this place, you know, like this is, I feel really crazy right now. And she, um, talks about the passage of scripture. I asked the Lord three times to take away the thorn in my flesh and he answered me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And it, I tell you what, this friend of mine is a powerhouse of grace. And and her daughter battles anxiety and depression. Now she's young. Her daughter is young and she thanks God for it. She, she said, this is the tool that is going to help my daughter learn to use scripture and learn to hang on to what is true. And so they pray scripture. I mean, it is, it is a powerful thing when you accept the circumstance. It's not that we can't ask God to take it away, but when he does it to say, okay, Lord, would your power be made perfect sure. in this weakness? Yeah. I think about that with people going through illness in their family. I mean, oh, not depression is an illness, but maybe like cancer or right. It, we are just begging God, more will chronic. you heal? Yeah, will you heal MS, this? Situation? Whatever disease, it might be. Uh, yeah. yeah, will you heal this? And if not, and like you said, your friend acknowledging, this is actually how God's going to change me and be perfected and sh- be shown to the world, you know? I mean, and listen, Jamie, I cannot tell you, like she is, she sees somebody struggling with that and it is like, 
Mm. It's like God made you to do this. Like he has allowed that. I mean, it is, it is one of the most, she is one of my, I just, I tell her all the time, you are a trophy of grace. And she walks with the limp. I mean, she's like, yeah, this is a, I'm not coming at you walking alongside you of like, the Lord's going to deliver you through here. I am on the other side and it's all perfect and neat and tidy. No, it's not. But here's God in the middle of it. Here's who he's been to me. And here's who he'll be to you. And it is, <sighs> it is so powerful. It's so good. Because that is what we want to know. That is what we want to hear. Because what I don't want to hear is, don't worry, everything will be fine. Because I always say, it might not. It might not. Your child might not recover. You know, the trauma might not ever leave your family. Like, all of these things might not happen. But in the midst of it, God is just so faithful to use those things. I mean, one of my favorite is Romans 5, which talks about like what suffering produces in us, you know, endurance, you know, and and a hope that cannot be shaken. And I'm just like, okay, if we have to walk through this, if this is what you're asking us to do, but it's going to do this. Okay. 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 So be it. Surrendered, yes, to wherever it is that you're leading. And it still sucks. It still is so freaking hard. hard. I think that's what, when, the last record I wrote out of a lot, uh, just out of really out of a season um, of what felt like senseless loss and suffering. You're just going like, okay, Lord, right. what is the point of all of this? And um, whenever people come up to me in a signing line or after shows or whatever and say, I have loved your record so much. I can tell they're about to cry and I just go, I'm so sorry. Because the deal is, even though God is faithful, it doesn't make the journey, it doesn't, it's not easy. No. It doesn't make it easy yeah. or or light or right. fun. Uh-huh. Um, but he is good. And I, and I am so grateful that there there is a better resurrection coming for all of yeah. us. Like there's a better- it's not the end. It's not the end. I've been reading Hebrews and it's like, there's a better kingdom. We were made for more than this. And so we don't have to lose hope because there will ultimately be healing and restoration. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to your music and singing and all that kind of stuff. My husband's a musician and people ask us often, do y'all sing a lot in your house? Um, I kid you not, when Aaron used to be on tour, sweet little teenage girls would come up to me and be like, does he sing to you every night? <laughs> and I'd be like, and I, I would know. say to them, he's yet to ever sing to me. <laughs> like, this is not what our house, and someone asked us the other day, like, are you teaching your kids music every night? And I'm like, no, we're like just trying to eat dinner and get football practice in and baths and get in bed. Right. Like, we listen to the troll soundtrack <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you and your husband both make a living by making music. We do. Is this, to me, that seems as though there could be so many amazing things about that. Sure. But it seems like there could also be some struggles there. Oh, what uh, are the struggles with two musicians in the house? Um, well, I love that because people have asked us literally the same questions. And there, there are, the deal is there are certain times where Drew will have written a song and he will say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm crying in the kitchen. That is really sweet, but that is... Few and far between. That's like a really special. I mean, that's like right now. Aaron's working on an album, so I hear a lot of it. Right, right. But now. I didn't for the past seven months. Right, yeah. and he's not like. Let me just gaze into your eyes <laughs> yes. and sing to you, babe. There's no it's... gazing and singing at our nope. house. Nope. nope. Um, and I. So we. Um, the it, so it, it is such a gift. I mean, we say all the time we feel so grateful that this gets to be our job. Um, and in the same breath, we also feel like God has called us. And I think if we didn't feel like God has called us, um, neither one of us would be doing music. Truth be told. I, I mean, because why? Because uh, you have to leave home a lot. It's for the birds, yeah. man. I mean, it is, it is a, there is a cost and a sacrifice um, to, I mean, there's a cost and a sacrifice anytime you follow Jesus, right? Like right. pick up your cross. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think leaving, we were together for so many years. So it's actually kind of nice when we, we are now touring separately. And so we actually like missing each other. Like that's real fun. We've never had Uh that. Because y'all were stuck in like a Volkswagen. Yeah, we were in a Volkswagen. (laughs) We were like, actually, it's kind of fun to miss you. Um, But we never go longer than two weeks without seeing each other. Um, we, We try to do that. But man, when you throw little people into that that you are crazy about 
So we're just always really open-handed. Like, Lord, what do you want us to say yes to? What do you, we say no more than yes, I feel. Um, so that, the tension of, um, I mean, for so many years, we were like, anybody ask us to do you anything to say yes. and we will come. And all of a sudden we're at this place where it's sort of like the scales have tipped yes. to where it's like, we can't do, right. we can't do most of what we're uh-huh. asked to do. And yeah. how do you discern and, and what do you say yes yeah. to? And because when you're saying yes, you're saying no to something Always. else. So that, that is really mm-hmm. hard. Um, that's, that is the hardest part about it. And you know that. I know that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, you know that even in your job. Yeah. Like when I'm on the road, I'm not parenting. Right. You know, cause you're, I'm working and when I'm parenting, I'm not working. So it's like, people are probably ask you, how do you balance it all? You know? And you don't like there is Thank no, you. Like, oh God bless you. I always say that in don't. interviews and I feel like people are really disappointed in me. No, there's I'm no like, magic. So you know what I always sorry. say like, here's how you balance it. When I'm with my kids, I'm their mom. That's right. And when I'm on the road, I'm podcast or working or speaking or writing right. or whatever. Right. And, and of course you are parenting. You know what right. I mean? You like can pray for them. Exactly. You can, FaceTime, all the things. All the things, but it's not. It's not the same. The same. I'm not tucking anybody in. I'm not making lunches. I'm not sitting at the counter talking, you know? And so- Agree. There's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I, the, my favorite conversation that, and and as they get older, I think it's harder because they're more aware. I mean, oh, our yeah. oldest is four and a half going on 14. I'll tell you it is harder. I, I mean, have big kids. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, so, but I love this conversation that my husband had with Emilou and they're a lot alike in a lot of ways. And um, he said, Emilou, your mom and I go. And, and we go out and we, and we leave and we miss you so much. But God has given us gifts, good gifts to share with the world. And he's called us each to our own adventure and our own stories and our own ways to use the gifts that he's given us to bring beauty and goodness into the world. And, and here's the deal. He's given you good gifts too. And the reason we say yes and we go is because one day when you get old enough, He's going to ask you to go and we want you to have the courage to say yeah. yes when yeah. he asks you to go too. And I, I'm You're in like, the kitchen. Jay, he's that's having awesome, Drew. <laughs> yeah, we had kind of, my oldest is 13 and then I have 12, 11 and nine. And I say no more now because I don't want to miss what they're doing. That's right. You know, and so- they have their own little lives. They do and, and I hate missing and, football games and band concerts and yeah. softball. Like I, I don't want to miss that. A couple, I shared this on the podcast the other day, but I'll tell you again, a couple of months ago, we have, summer teaching that comes into our church. So like our preachers aren't preaching, we're bringing people in. Yeah. And so we were talking with one afterwards and we were introducing our kids to him and we're like, oh, he lives in, you know, wherever he lives. And one of my sons looked at me, he goes, does he have a wife? And I said, yeah, he's a wife and kids. And he goes, and he left them to come to our church to preach. And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's like what you and dad do. And I was like, light bulbs are switching on everywhere. <laughs> but he said, that's what you and dad do. And I was like, that's, ex- I mean, I was like, Yes, That's this right. is what we do because we tell our kids, why are you leaving? To go tell people about Jesus. You know, right. why, go tell people about Jesus. But he had this moment where he's like, oh, he did that. That's what you do. And I was like, yes, oh, yes. You're, kidding. <laughs> you're, kidding. you're 12 and you get it, you know. <laughs> but it is, it's a sacrifice. Yeah. It's a sacrifice. And I think everybody makes those in all kinds of different fields, you know. Yeah. Oh, listen, my this is my dad. I, this is my story with my dad. He is a CCM producer. If he were here, he would tell you the story. So we talk about it all the time uh-huh. on radio interviews because he's produced all my records, which is so precious. That's fun. But we, he was a workaholic. Uh-huh. I mean, the opportunity was great. It's a huge mission field. Yeah. And he missed out on a lot uh-huh. of our childhood. And so I'm not saying that that's where you are, but for him, it was, he was right gone. The Lord got a hold of his heart, changed, you know, he moved his studio home. He's changed his schedule all around. And, um, and he says that the biggest thing he can offer to his kids is the story of, and the love of Jesus, but, um, repentance. And he it has been the most, one of the most freeing things because um, he saw another musician dad at a college and he was sending his son out to college and he was like, I just feel like I might not have spent the, as too, you know, enough time uh-huh. with them. Did I leave? Did I tour too much? And he goes, oh, you probably messed it all up. Like, you know, you, that's all of us because we're human. And he right. said, but God will redeem all of it. Oh. And I just thought, and that Such is what hope. he has done in my relationship with my dad and with the kids, each one of us, each one of the, I'm the oldest of five, 
We say he's restored the years that the locusts have eaten. And for every hard thing, he is just, he's redeemed it. And that's what And it's changing does. the way that you, it's, a, it's something you're thinking about, whereas your dad might not have thought about it. You know totally. what I mean? So, and so and now it's I'm on like, your, it is like, you're on it. Forefront of your brain. Of, yeah. my, of my mind, yeah. my heart. So it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a relief to know too, like we are not, we're just absolutely not going to do it. Of course perfectly. we're not. Of course we're not. <laughs> this is why we're saving money for our kids counseling. I'm like, you're going to need this. The other day, my daughter said something and she said, well, I don't remember when I was five. And I was like, oh, praise Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because that was a hard year. That's all I have to say. We had a hard time at the Ivy house. Um, okay. So <laughs> right now we're at my hotel room at the ERLC convention and I met Sally Lord-Jones yesterday. Now, Sally has been on my show and it's one of my favorite interviews I have ever done, hands down. Everyone needs to go listen to it right now. Um, and so when I met her yesterday, I didn't want to be weird, right? Sure, So sure, sure. Trillia introduced, she said, oh, this J- Sally, Jamie, do y'all know each other? And I said, hi, Sally, you were on my podcast, The Happy Hour. And she said, oh, I love your show. I could have died. I could have died, Ellie. <laughs> and then she said... I love your show. She said, you were one of the best interviewers I've ever had. And inside, I'm, I'm acting cool as a cucumber, but inside I'm like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. How can I record this conversation? <laughs> Something's happened. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Um, because I just look up to her and respect her so much. And so it was just like this, it made my heart really, really, really like, You're just like, feels so good. I was love like, that I love you, Sally. <laughs> um, and so- I, I am such a big fan of hers. I mean, she is just brilliant and beautiful and loves God's word and loves people. And if you don't have a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible, go right now and get one. But you went on tour with her. I did. Can oh, you just tell goodness. me about it? And yeah, we, I, she is, she is probably like, it's probably fair to say she's one of my heroes. Like, I mean, I, that's fair. So, I mean, just the language that she has given me to speak about the gospel, not only to my children, but to my own heart. Yeah. Um, through the Jesus Storybook Bible. And then she has so, so many other, many yes. wonderful, yes. other lovely, lovely beautiful stories books that, that she's written and released. Even about like potty training. Yes, exactly. Pot- yeah. And anyway, yeah, how to be a big sister. And so um, it is, it is like... It when they you know it just was one of those things where it's like an email that comes across your uh-huh. your little email account and you're like what what <laughs> go on tour with Sally Lloyd with my hero yes <laughs> right. like oh what you know just like uh-huh. all capitals yes. exclamation points but um it was such a joy to get to partner with her and what we did um we were celebrating ten years of the Jesus Storybook Bible um being around and released into the world. And we got to tell her story and the story of how God called that storybook Bible out of her. And we were interweaving it with a a bunch of my songs, many of which are inspired by her story. So it was like, we got to tell the gospel story and our own personal stories in the way that the gospel intersected with that. And, um, it was an evening of stories and songs is what we called it. And um, the actual event was unbelievable. It was with Compassion. Uh-huh. So we were getting yeah. kids Love sponsored. And, mm-hmm. um, and But then I think maybe even more, the, I can't decide what I love more, the event or Adventures with Sally because we would go every day and walk from the bus in whatever city we were to find a coffee shop or a magnificent tree or anything that the Lord would put in our path and the conversations that we had. I'm sure they're very precious to you. Yeah. I'll never, yeah. you know, there's just, so here's to hoping that gets yeah. to happen again. Well, if it does, can y'all come to Austin? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I know that it's not a big church city, but we can get some people together. I know a lot of my friends that love both of y'all. So let's bring it to Austin, it. Texas. Uh, that's just, it's, I, talk about that Bible. I, I don't read it to my kids anymore, but they're older. Yeah. Um, but I remember when they were younger reading it and crying. Yeah, just, almost every time. Yeah, just the language. Um, I still, the first time I ever heard about that we're in need of a rescuer. You know, that's like, I use that in, 
I, I talk about Jesus as a rescuer that God sent all the time in my talks. And I read that from that Bible, you know, and, and I love the, the way it's set up. I mean, just, we could talk for hours about every story whispers, this every name. story, it, it everyone is. points back to the rescuer. It is, it is. And that tour felt like picking up breadcrumbs. Like the Lord was like, here, this. And what's really sweet is my little girl, Emmy Lou, and, and we tell the story interwoven through song and Sally reading when we toured together. But um, <laughs> this was just crazy. Sorry, it's going to make me cry. But um, um, I was really asking the Lord if I was supposed to keep touring um, before I released my next record. I'm like, Lord, I am not doing this unless you tell me to, because this is hard, even though I love it. And I feel like, but I am not going without your blessing. Like I'm not leaving here unless you go with me and unless you tell me to. And um, he spoke such sweet promises. Like I am going to hide you and your family underneath the shelter of my wing. So the next day after he speaks this, like I just see that he's speaking to the very lie that I believe the most, which is, if I do this job, it will destroy my family. Right. So he spoke right to that, gave me fighting words from Psalm 91. Anyway, a bunch of different scripture to kind of hold on to that he spoke over me that night. The very next morning, I'm reading the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, the Battle of Jericho, and it talks about the rescuer who's going to leave his home and and calm down and rescue us. And Emmylou goes, Mom, where's God's home? I was like, that's a great question. And, you know, I didn't really know what to say. So I just said, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. So she goes, it's in heaven. And I was like, yeah, baby. And she goes, and then it's in our hearts. And I said, yeah, baby, that's right. And all you have to do for God to come into your heart and to be your rescuer is just say, God, I am a sinner. I run away from you and I need you to rescue me. And will you come live in my heart forever? I was just kind of explaining to her, just Laying like, out that's the gospel, all you yeah. have to do. Uh-huh. And she goes, oh, mom. I want to pray that. Can you can we pray that together? And I and I was like, baby, yes. She goes, can we call God on the phone? And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes. And so so she slides over onto my lap. She's like, get your phone out. So we hold pretend phones up, and, and she goes, will you help me know the words, Mom? So I say, God, you know, I'm a sinner. She's repeating, and I need you to rescue me. And will you come and live in my heart forever? And and she says, and God, will you come live in my heart forever? And it's kind of quiet. I am just tears are sure. streaming down my face just after God promised me the night before he would protect my family. And it's just this sweet moment with my girl. And she goes, mom, he said, yes. Oh my gosh. And I just said, baby, that is what he says when, whenever he asks us to rescue him, he when we need a rescue, he, says, he yes. says yes, because he's the rescuer. That's right, baby. And so a week later, they get they send me the email. Do you want to go on tour with South? Oh, Sally? my gosh. Is that not? It gave me the chills. Insane. Oh. So it just felt like this really sweet journey of um, celebrating the faithfulness mm. of our rescuer. God, I Sally. love that language so much. I love it. Oh, okay. Well, I hope you guys come to Austin. <laughs> because we'll, I'll just sell tickets for y'all and pack it out. Um, okay, last year, your husband ended up in the hospital. He did. With meningitis. Yes. I had meningitis when I was in high school. No Yes, way. I did. Viral so you meningitis. Know, you know. It was vi- yours with viral. That's what he had too, right? Yep. So I was, I mean, I was a junior and I was telling my mom, my neck hurts, my head hurts, weird. It got weird. She took me to the emergency room. And as soon as I told my symptoms, they like took me back immediately. And I was diagnosed pretty quickly. I think that you guys weren't. Yep. I was diagnosed pretty quickly, spinal tap, all the things. But then I didn't stay in the hospital like he did. But I had severe headaches and vomiting for like two weeks. Oh, my goodness. So y'all walked through this. Mm-hmm. And your husband was in the hospital for how long? We were there for six days. And and it was 14 days, you know, two weeks before those six when days. When he was so of, sick. He was so, he just, the worst migraine of his life, yeah. you know, could hardly function. Uh-huh. It was so... I couldn't drive. I mean, I was, yeah. I was vomiting and my head hurts. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Ann Voskamp yeah. actually had this and she was like, it is the most painful... Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's like a, it should be like a tribe of people. Right. We've been in the club. We've survived it I know. Together. But that was, you know, that was one of those moments. He, um, the, 
it had been so bad for two weeks. They couldn't figure out. We've been to general practitioner. You know, they're giving him migraine meds, yeah, not sure. touching anything. Uh-huh. And he uh, woke up one morning to go to Bible study and came back 10 minutes after his Bible study and was like, I feel awful. I'm on the phone. They're like, you need to take him to the ER, the pediatric or pedi- pediatrician. <laughs> Maybe that's why they weren't finding out anything. <laughs> We've been at the, pe- the pediatrician. Legs. I've been talking to the pediatrician a lot lately. But our general practitioner doctor was just like, you need to take him in. Well, I'll go upstairs. He is clap. He had tried to get up out of bed, collapsed, vomiting everywhere. I thought he was having an injury. So I, I was, I was like, okay. Were you calm? Uh, no, I was absolutely freaking out. And I do not do well with hospitals. I don't do well. The, and, you know, my aunt is a nurse and she's like, you need, need to remember all the details of all oh. the medicine. And I'm literally like, I'm about to throw up. Right. Because I'm like, I am so ill-equipped to yes. be his advocate. <laughs> yes. Like, I am not an advocate. I don't know. So I, my sweet uh, people, my people, my little Bible study group girls, um, one of them's a nurse. And I was literally on the phone with her when they called me to tell me to go to the ER. She was like, I'm coming with my kids. I'm going to watch your children. She lives right down the Love street, yes. around the block. And she saw Drew and, and I mean, he just looked like he was at death's doorstep. I mean, <sighs> pale. She was really worried. So she sent out, you know, to SOS, the troops, uh-huh. like, y'all be praying. And I was, I, you know, am just frantically driving to the hospital, take all the wrong turns. <laughs> of course, your husband's like dying. <laughs> you can't I'm figure like, out where you live. He's going to die. Okay, yeah. I have a terrible sense of direction. <laughs> Lord, you know, I've lived here my whole life. I still don't know how to get to the hospital. What in the world? So I am, I am wigging out and we are in the emergency room and I'm, I am just like, you know, like, Panic attack feeling. Yes. That weight on your chest. I can't, like, my heart is beating uh-huh. so fast. I feel like I'm going to lose him. And I mean, like, when Jesus was on in the middle of that storm and he says, be still, out of nowhere, calm. Out of nowhere, I turn into like the world's best advocate ever. You're like Nurse Ellie. I know all of the things. These are the names of the medicines. I mean, it was a supernatural piece that did not make any sense to have. And I, I went back on my text thread and all of the girls at the very moment that that happened, they are sending all of these scriptures they're praying it was it was one of the most and I remember when he finally got his spinal tap he didn't have any of those symptoms it it was a different kind of anyway it was a different manifestation of viral meningitis which is why it took him so long to Uh find it but he went down for the spinal tap and I actually was up in the hospital room singing it's crazy. I wrote a song in the hospital room while he was getting his spinal tap because um, it was right before Christmas. And um, I was sensing the nearness of Emmanuel, even in the midst of all of that unknown. And, uh, and I still didn't know, like we didn't have the answers, but um, it was such a gift to get to uh, experience his nearness and that peace that he talks about, that he gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and that peace of God that transcends all of our understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And man, that is a profound and mysterious thing. Your husband's getting a spinal tap and you're just going, you're faithful, God. I mean. And your circumstances hadn't changed. No. Nope. We'll say it again. It hadn't changed. It hadn't changed. And there God was yeah. right, oh. right in the middle of it all. So, um, man, I'm so grateful. Um, I haven't told that story a lot. So sorry. I'm a little. Let's love it. It's a little. A little fresh. A little fresh. Yeah. Uh, but I'm. Uh, I, I think just over and over again, I'd seen God do that for our, our people that we were walking through a lot of sorrow and suffering with. And then um, I got to experience that really on the most, the closest level with walking through that with my husband. And um, man, I am so grateful. And I am so grateful he's out of the hospital for too. For sure. I mean, it's it hard. 
Hard, hard, hard. Yeah. Yeah. So we came home. It was like the sweetest Christmas ever. Came home and and uh, cried our way through Christmas Eve and Christmas. Because, yeah. you know, I Just think thankful. when you walk through something like that, you're like grateful for every breath in your, in your lungs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Oh, so, so scary. And I just love the way that you talk about it as in the, the circumstances and then the faithfulness and that God was with you and all of that. And, and, and it's like, you can't predict that or feel that until you're in, that's until what he does until, yeah. until you're in it. Until like, you're I can't in understand it. that. I can't yeah. understand what it means to lose my husband. Cause I have it and I don't need that grace and you needed it. And he, and he provided, like you said, it would provided it. It's like my worst fear, you know, for sure. Like, yeah, so it's coming it's up, like, it's coming out. You know, and it's like, here we are. Yep, yep. I'm still here. And I, there's that Mercy Me song that's on the radio right now. Even, you know, even if you don't, my hope is in you yep. alone. And I, and it's like, you get to that place where that has, you have to be able to stand on that. Yeah. It has to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Or else nothing's true. Or else nothing's true. Or else nothing's true. Oh. And there, anyway, there you never is. would write the circumstances or wish them on yourself or anyone else, but. It has been where um, my friend was just telling me about a thin place where this earth and the earth that is to come, the new earth, heaven, are so closely intermingled. Um, and man, it is a holy place and it's it's not a comfortable place per se, but it's, it's holy. Mm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay, Ellie, I, I end all of my shows and I didn't set you up well for this, but I end all my shows asking my guests what they're reading and what they're loving. Ooh. Do you have anything to share with us? Well, currently I am reading a book that Rebecca Lyons told me about called Abiding in Christ okay. by Andrew Murray. Well, Andrew Murray, like I can read whatever he, yes. Oh my word. It's I've one actually of those... heard of, you're not the first person to recommend this book and they say it's life-changing. It is... Like I'm still on, I've been reading it for like six months and, and I'm on three. chapter, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I was going to say chapter two, uh, that's rounding up really. Yeah. I just keep going back to it's so full. Um, this dense. idea of abiding in Christ. And so uh, that is kind of blowing yeah. my mind right now. Um, so I'm reading that and then um there's like seven other books on my, yeah. on my, all of the table. Yeah. Maria Goff's book. Yes. I'm in the, I'm in, I just uh -huh. like picked that up. Yeah. So I'm starting that. I love her. Yes. Ooh, I, I love do that too. So much. Um, and then what I am loving right now, um, I'm loving, it's been a slower season with my kids and I, um, I am loving like slower, long, long, slow, mm -hmm. Really unintentional time, just yeah. like that. Those like playful yeah. long hours with them, and then a salad that my friend gave me a recipe for that is so good. And Why? I've made it like six times. What makes week. it so good? Because I need it in my it's life. Corn fresh off the cob. Oh, it's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy. Corn fresh off the cob. Cherry tomatoes, like a box of cherry tomatoes, or off the vine if you grow them. My uh -huh. friend grows them, so I'd, I'm like. Going planning on driving uh -huh. by her house on the way home from yeah. here, actually. Yeah. Picking up, she was like, come anytime. So, um, and then fresh basil and avocado, and then like a little honey lime Sounds dressing. Amazing. Yes, Lord Jesus. And then you could throw like feta cheese on there and mm -hmm. call it a day. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. So I am loving that salad. Right I, that sounds so good to me right now. Because so you good. and I both like haven't eaten today. And We're so I'm hungry. like, oh, tell me more. Tell me more about the salad. <laughs> like, what else can we put on that salad? Uh, Ellie, it's been so fabulous having you here. So great. Thanks for coming on the happy hour. Friends, I love Ellie Holcomb every time I get to sit down with her. And I really hope you enjoyed this flashback episode of hers. I'm serious. I do remember recording that in that hotel room with her. And I remember feeling at the time, this is going to be a powerful episode. And it was. We heard from so many of you then. 
that it was so meaningful to you to hear Ellie talk about her marriage and her mental health and depression. And I pray that today, if you're a new listener to this episode, that it moved you the same way. And if you've heard it before, I hope that it moved you again the same way. Please check out her new album. It's called Canyon, and you can get it now wherever you get your music. You guys, also, if you're interested in more episodes that we've done around the topic, the subject of mental health, we have done a lot of episodes because we think it's important to have these conversations. And so if you'll go to this week's show notes, go to jamieivy.com slash HH408, which is how you're going to find the show notes. We've listed some other episodes that we think might be beneficial to you to hear people's stories of walking through mental health. Guys, I also want to remind you, we are still building that church building in northern Uganda with the Karuma Church, where Pastor Jeffrey has been leading his people at a church that's been around for 34 years. They just never had a building, and we want to help them with that. They've got the workers. They've got the land. They've got everything they need except for the money to buy the materials. And so we want to raise $15,000 this summer. And every time you donate, the money goes directly to this church through this organization. So go to jamieivy.com slash build a church. Guys, let's make a difference around the world. This church is going to have an impact on 300 people. They're going to get information about the scriptures in their own native language. They're going to have a building to do ministry in. I'm so giddy about partnering with them. So go to jamieivy.com slash build a church to donate today. Guys, thanks for listening to this show. Today's show was edited by the team at Podshaper. The music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. The show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing's produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. Guys, have a happy hour with a friend, and we'll see you back next week for another happy hour episode. <laughs>